Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. We have some great topics that we're going to cover. We're going to cover Tesla's response to basically the California's ban of reopening and their kind of uh, economic reopening plan and Tesla's just kind of sense of urgency. Uh, the campaign trail highlights, we're seeing a lot of activity uh, for both um, representatives, Trump and Biden. Uh, and then we're also going to jump into some economic updates. And then lastly, the possible return of the NBA season. Stay tuned for another episode. It is what it is. So just covering Tesla's response, a uh, great article by Hiza Garcia Hodges. Uh, Jessica Naro was told that she would need to report back to work. Uh, at Tesla's automobile assembly plant in Fremont, California, her first thought was it wasn't safe. She was worried about her health as a sole provider for her family, but even much more worried that she'd be exposed to the virus and could pass it on to their six-year-old or to her six-year-old son. In March, spent two weeks in a hospital for a condition that she would, she was told to make herself more vulnerable to serious complications if contracted the coronavirus. Basically, because Tesla is feeling the heat, they have lost revenue, they have furloughed a majority of their employees, they have demanded pay cuts, salary cuts, I believe, of 10% from their management level and up. Uh, Elon Musk has basically issued a, you know, ultimatum that they're going to reopen. He's also suing, uh, the state of California. He wants his, uh, business to operate because he feels it's absolutely essential because he has to provide obviously for his employees, but he has to meet consumer demands. This is the tipping point. This is what I said was going to happen. Oh, you know, yeah, no matter how serious and it is serious, the disease is no matter how fatal it is and you see the fatalities over 80,000 over 1.3 million cases in the US with 80 over 80,000 deaths you see the global impact and pandemic that it has created the economic factor is going to become its total opposition because basically these companies will not be able to survive and thrive under this type of uh out restriction or restrictive guidelines they need the space to open is it selfish maybe is it is it does it endanger employees definitely and for that it is selfish but if it but if you look at it i think there's two sides you can argue the company should not be demanding mandating their employees their workforce uh to engage in unsafe practices at all the second thing is, if the company goes under and then the employees are let go or no longer have a job, how can they sustain? So you see what I'm saying? It's like it's a catch-22. It's like, well, either to work or not to work. That is the question. So I do not think that Elon Musk is tyrannical or irrational. I think he is arguing from a position of privilege. But I also think he's looking at it from a long-term standpoint and understands that in the long run, another 30 to 90 days of, of uh, con uh, a very restrictive course of engagement is a fatal blow to a lot of organizations, including his. Because uh, basically, that's another three months. We're already almost six months into the year. That's basically leading to the fourth quarter. Then what? Corona hits again in the fall and the winter. You know, so 2020 being a wash. So I understand the... Uh, economic impact, I understand the demand, I understand the the desire to uh, want to open so that you can create some sense of normalcy. 
it's going to come to a screaming halt that either the federal government and state government is going to have to step in and create this, um, I won't say euphoria, but this highly uh, socialistic uh, approach from the bottom up uh, when it comes to safeguarding its citizens and its businesses, or you're going to just have to, you know, I won't say let the chips fall where they fall, but you're just going to have to say, you know, operate at your own risk. Um, and I think it's probably leaning more toward the latter than the former, even though it probably should. And I do believe it should lead toward the former. Uh, but the operating under your own risk, because I think the argument is you can't stop life from happening anyway. And as terrible, as sad, as tragic, it's 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 non-humane. Um, but because we're not positioned as a country to embrace the human economy, to embrace the sensitivities of humanity as a whole that America's true nature of, of growth at all costs, of individualistic gain at the expense of the whole of a preferred group, groups versus others, the otherism is just, it's peaking his ugly head again. So um, obviously this is not a, a war that you can just draw the line in the sand, but this is Tesla stands. Even in the midst of all that is going on, it seems that President Trump is on the campaign trail. Um, Mara Barrett and Matt Wargo uh, have a great article they go on to write that Trump is to set or is setting to visit Pennsylvania, his second trip in many weeks to the electoral battleground state as part of his push for the country's economy to reopen. He is scheduled to visit the Lehigh Valley Medical Equipment Company that has been sending personal protective equipment Nationwide is a part of an effort to bring mask, gowns, and gloves to the U.S. from overseas. Owens and Miner was one of five companies selected by the Department of Health and Human Services to supply 600 million N95 respirator masks over the next year and a half, according to the company's website. Obviously, the job of a politician is never over. Campaigning doesn't stop even in the midst of a pandemic. Uh Making sure your brand is seen, heard, and felt <laughs> is is going to be the the strategy of the day. Um, and obviously, you can see here that it is vital to uh, Trump to continue to campaign, and, and especially in swing states. Uh, if you kind of take a look at the map, the political coverage map, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. right now in a national poll. Uh, Biden is up six and a half points in Michigan. Biden is up five and a half in Arizona. Biden is up four in Florida. He's up three points in Wisconsin. He's up 2.7. And in North Carolina, uh, Trump is actually up 0.3. So it seems like it's a it's a split, really. Uh, I get it. You know, life kind of continues and you have to uh, stay core to the par or par for the course or however you phrase it. Uh, I get it that. It is absolutely necessary and essential to be as systematic as possible, even in the midst of calamity. Um, I think the message gets lost. Is it for brownie points or is it for result? Is it symbolic or is it effective? It doesn't matter what side of the political strategy or ideology that you uh, prefer, that you are on, that you affiliate with. Is it going to benefit the whole or the sum has to always be the question, I think, at hand. And right now, I'm hearing a lot of banter, but I think the banter is coming at the expense 
of the whole. I think the banter is coming at the expense of the most vulnerable. I think the banter is coming at the expense of those who have already been disproportionately impacted. Uh, So we'll see uh, with all this campaigning what truly happens. Just some economic update. Uh, Lucy Bailey writes an interesting article that the Wall Street uh, has closed sharply down after Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell warned of a longer recession if Congress did not step in with additional fiscal stimulus. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ended the day lower just by over 515 points with the S&P 500 down by 1.7%. The NASDAQ, which earlier this week has turned positive for the year, breaching the 9,000 mark, closed uh, by one point down, actually by one point five percent. I believe Jerome Powell is absolutely right. Uh, it's not even prophetic. It's just absolutely, essentially factual. Um, if the federal government, if the federal government does not step in with another round, and I mean a round this time deeper, more thoughtful, more planned out, better executed, more comprehensive bailout stimulus, however you want to phrase it. Uh, socialism, whatever and however you want to phrase it, the U.S. economy is is doomed. Um, you cannot have 60 days of zero or negative growth with the same amount of expenses and then have another 30 to 150 days of uh, what I would call partial restructuring to open up uh, because everything is not fully accessible nationwide and think that you're going to be okay. You've been hit with the hardest blow and that is twofolded. A, you were not allowed to operate at max capacity. B, your customers were not allowed to operate in their purchasing at their max capacity. So not only did you take away your brand, your marketing, your piece, your niche, your competitive advantage, what makes you you as an organization, as a business, you also took away uh, basically the hands that feed you. And then and you also took away the workers that supply, you know, so you, you, you really had a tertiary impact. And right now, um, I think the economic impact is deeper than what we imagined. Yes, the numbers are out. Yes. The U.S. economy lost over 20 million jobs. I think it's 20.5 million. Yes, the national unemployment rate is at 14.7%. The real field unemployment is somewhere around 18%. The black unemployment is at 18%. Latinx community unemployment is at 19%. Uh, They're expecting that number to even go up. Over 30 million Americans have filed for unemployment claims. What is that telling you? Because the numbers don't lie, but they don't tell the whole truth either. There is a definite gap uh, between immediate impact. It's it's kind of like I, I will use the uh, analogy of the Titanic. When the Titanic hit the iceberg, they everybody felt it. At least the movie, right? I wasn't there, but according to the movie and, and historical accounts, it felt it. The bottom layer hole was ripped open, and it started to flood first. So those who were most vulnerable felt it first. Very very familiar. Then the middle started to feel the impact and the bottom was trying to come up and the middle was kind of squeezed in. And then the upper level, they were still kind of partying, going on, frolicking, even making light of. But when they really started to take on water and realize that the ship was going to sink, there there weren't enough safety boats for everybody. 
because there wasn't a thought out plan was if this happens, how do we escape from this? So now you start picking or preferring who's going to make it versus who's not. And now the, the ship starts to peak and starts to do this vertical thing before it completely collapses in half and sinks to the bottom. So that's kind of what's happening to the U.S. economy. So if you've been a, a watchful investor like I am, you've seen peaks even in the stock market, especially around your tech companies like Facebook, like uh, Zoom, uh, like um, Amazon, and it's peaking. But that bottom half is cracked and it's going to pull everything down. So the federal government's responsibility and plan and initiation has to be, or not initiation, but initiative has to be, it has to be emphatically to create this Rooseveltian mass plan that will change the course of business henceforth. A bottom-up strategy, not a top-down. No more trickle-down uh, economics. No more trickle-down theory. Bottom-up. Uh, going and, under, and understanding that the first response is to take care of the citizen, is to take care of the individual, the American regardless of income, to put people on a level playing field to make sure that there's adequate housing, adequate food, adequate medical supplies. Then you take care of the businesses, starting with the small startups, uh, mom and pops, however you want to label them, to the more of the mid-size, to, to the local, to the regional, to the national, to the enterprise level, uh, to the big boys, right? The big girls and boys, and then that's how you start carving this new normal that will be better. But if you do not, if you just remain on target, you're literally you're literally about to watch a cataclysmic sinking. There is rumor that the NBA is returning uh, soon. Uh, according to a report that was put out by Chris Haynes, uh, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard, and other stars, Chris Paul being the president of the Players Association, had a conference call uh, and they met to discuss resuming and they were all in favor of resuming the 2019-2020 NBA season. Adam Silver is going to make a decision within the next month to decide to approve that recommendation or to cancel this season. My guess is it's going to be approved. And the reason why I'm guessing that it's going to be approved is because of the economic factor. The NBA does not want to lose money. The players who have in their contract a act of God clause, which states if some type of earth-shattering pandemic, uh, you know, uh, situation like what's going on right now ends up happening and therefore we're not the organization itself was not able to uh, have games being played the players could not be paid because they're not um, uh, obviously acting uh, or working right so and if the organization themselves decide to enact the act of god clause that can cut off payments for the players now i'm not sure if they have made an official enactment of that I'm sure if Adam Silver were to cancel the season, that would be the course of action. But that being said, 
you know, there is economic strain on all levels from the coaching to the coaching staff, to the boosters, to uh, the mascots, to the cheerleaders, everybody who is surrounded through sports entertainment media, to the contracts that they have with ABC, with uh, Disney. (laughs) It, It all plays in a part and there's going to be a solemn push even if it's against good judgment. Now, they'll probably counteract this with saying, well, no fans will be in attendance. We'll have it at two regional locations, one on the West Coast in Vegas, one on the East Coast in Orlando, like the Summer League games. And basically, you'll be able to watch, and they'll have the announcers, uh, but and they'll try to make it as real and theatrical as possible to get that real feel. And I wouldn't even be shocked if uh, there was some type of incentive like a I mean like obviously you have the league pass but like you know just to cover just added expense but the fans themselves will probably not be at the games and if they are allowed at the games I'm sure that'll be interesting to see people with face masks on cheering and just just looking just um covered <laughs> medically covered uh so we'll see what happens uh I think that the NBA will resume. My guess is that the pressure from the owners, from the players, from the fans, and from the business community ultimately will force them to reopen. All right, that has been another episode of It Is With This Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in and listening. Click, like, share, subscribe. Let me know what you think. Uh, if you want to, you know, this content to continue, please support. I look forward to connecting with you. IGCVMK33. Until next time, talk soon.